What's up, everybody? I'm Kyle Hamilton, All-American Safety for University of Notre Dame, and I just want to say thank you for tuning into the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. We're back. We're back for another episode of our Summer Scouting Series. We're flipping over to defence. Obviously, this is why we've got a different voice opening up the pod. Raj and my man, Kieran, who's with me today, doing a great job with the QBs on our last episode of last week. But we're back. We're flipping over to D. And, uh, well, before we get into that, my man, how are you? We've not had a, had a bit of a chat for ages, have we? Yeah, it's it's been weird because we speak to each other... Obviously, we speak to each other daily <laughs> in the WhatsApp, but I mean, like in terms of voice calls, we speak to each other very, very often during the season. Mm. When the off-season hits, after the, the draft guide drops, we have just this gap where I think all of us are a little bit sick of football for a little bit. A little and then bit. after a few weeks, you get that itch and you're like, oh, what about next year's draft, even though the draft's <laughs> only just finished? <laughs> Yeah, and we've obviously, you know, we've had a, like you say, a bit of time off and we've got some new guys on board and we're ready just to, to continue hitting the ground running, don't we? You know, with our, with our podcast last week that you, you and Raj did a smashing job for. But yeah, no, like I say, flipping over to D, doing some cornerbacks today, so right up your alleyway. And obviously did the cornerback last two years, haven't you, for the guide? Both, both yeah, the guys I, so, yeah, first guide I did interior defensive line. Yeah, yeah. Never want to do again. That's so boring. <laughs> like I found some gems, but just so boring. And then corners, which I love. And then I did quarterbacks and corners this yeah. year, which I feel like was a perfect balance because you can kill two birds with one stone um, in a lot of, a yeah, lot of sure. this stuff. Yeah, interesting, interesting mixture as well. Obviously, you've got on one hand the guy who you're looking at trying to score, and then the guy who's trying to stop all the passes. So yeah, yeah, and, and, and you're looking at very much a lot of the same things with the two of them. So. Mm. It, uh, that's what I like about it. No, absolutely. And be, but before we get into that, obviously, in fact, so the pod is going to be pretty similar to the format that we had last week with Raj and Kieran, top five of the position and under an overrated player. Um, but like I said, before we get into that, I just kind of wanted to bring something to your attention that's kind of, I mean, by the time this has come out, people would probably have talked about it to death. But obviously, people started dropping Madden rankings and... <laughs> I, I, I did I did say before you came on that you've probably heard this before and I'm going to guess that you know exactly what I'm going to say I, I right. haven't seen the exact ratings but I know okay. Madden is bad every single year <laughs> with the ratings okay so uh, there's a few accounts that have been tweeting like top like 10s or top 15s of some offensive positions I think like tight ends and wide receivers I've seen I don't know if they've done more they probably have by the time this has come out in the morning but anyway all right, I'm just going to hit you with it. Jamal Chase is not in the top 10. Live reaction. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> Let's be honest, though. And I think you can agree with me. Probably a top three receiver in the league already. I know if you just base off last year's performance. Top five, top, I'll, say, I'll top, say. Top five. Top five. But he's, a, in my mind, top three guy off just last season's performance. They've probably got Justin Jefferson outside the top five. They probably just fumbled. I know who's first because I know who Madden are. And I obviously saw a tweet about Tay being in the night. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we know Tay's going to Which be is fine, first. right? It's fine. It's okay. I'm guessing Cooper Cup's in the top three. They're a big fan of the Amish. So... <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, that's your top two. You've got Adams and then you've got Cup one and two. They're nearly as bad as PFF for like ranking <laughs> players. It's just... I'm not trying to send shots at PFF, but I mean, you know what you I are. mean? A little bit. But you know what I mean? Like, they do this every year and people freak out. And I'm like, think about it. They don't give a shit about the ratings. They just want to make the cards for Ultimate Team. Yeah. So sure. until they fix franchise, the game's dead to me. I'll, hey, just, I know that we're not here to talk about that, but have you seen the new little five-minute like advert teaser thing they've put out about franchise? It actually does look like they're making some improvements, so... We'll hold, we'll hold that maybe Here's for one year and then we'll go back to MCAA when that comes out in a couple of years' time. Well, it's going to be on frostbite. It's going to suck. The problem <laughs> is I'm having a soup... Like, I've got... So I bought an old chipped Xbox. I don't know if that's legal or not, but I bought an old <laughs> chipped Xbox and I'm playing Madden 07. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That I, think is that was, the, I think that was the first Madden I had. Is that one with Drew Brees on the cover? 
No, that's Madden 11. Oh, is it? Okay, maybe Madden 11, fantastic mixed. game. I'm this getting really Madden... mixed up then. Anyway, go on, carry on. <laughs> Madden 07, I think it's a Seahawks running back. It's really okay. old. But it is the deepest franchise experience I've had with Madden. Mm. And it's on the original Xbox. Not 360, original Xbox. <laughs> and it is the deepest franchise I've ever played. You have radio clips about your player's performance in between weeks. It's just, it's it's exceptional. Yeah, it does seem like they're trying to introduce that sort of thing and make it a little bit more varied and not just like copy and paste from the previous years. Yeah, I think we'll eventually get a good Madden, but it will only be when their sim license runs out if they don't renew it. We'll only get a good Madden when there's competition. True. Yeah, and that's obviously it's something that's going to plague a lot of franchises for games now, isn't it? Sports games, you know, I'm talking about that just don't have any competition. Um, to, to, to be any better so you know, it's a problem with a lot of things but yeah just let me kind of hit you with the, the top 10 because I know you'll probably have something to say we've already said Adams we've said Cup our guy Tyreek Hill number 3 um, a guy who's not going to play the first 6 games in Hopkins is, is 4 and then Stefan Diggs rounds out the top 5 with Justin Jefferson at 93 rated Justin Jefferson is 6 overall I could agree with Stefan Diggs in yeah, the top yeah, 5 yeah, yeah, I could yeah. agree with that but and, and Tay, sure, but not number one. Okay, and then I'll just whip through just like the, the last four. So Mike Evans, Scary Terry, Keenan Allen, and uh, Amari Cooper, which is kind of... <laughs> Keenan Allen's too low as well. Well, I suppose Madden, Madden always seems like under 18, to be honest with you. But, if he doesn't you know, have 99 route running, the game's broken. <laughs> I mean, as you, as you just said, the game's broken anyway, isn't it? But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I just thought I'd get your live reaction on the pod for Jamar Chase. I think he's like 15 or something like that. I, there is another list like, that falls on from that, but it wasn't on the tweet that I took a screenshot of. So uh, he's like an 87 overall or something like that. Uh, so he's like six points worse than. No, the worst Jefferson. thing. If you like, I played it last year. Mm. You play like six games. He's already like a ninety. Yeah. And if he's the, if he's slower thing, than Tyree Kill, I don't even know what to tell you. The other the thing, thing, as well, is obviously they've got the ratings adjusters now. It's not like the old Xbox games, as you've been saying. The where... ratings adjusters is bollocks. No, it's but like okay. at least they can like increase it and stuff like that. Like the old Xbox games that you're talking about, like Madden Seven. That's it. Luckily, yeah. back then you could still you could still just edit the players. True, 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 true. There was they used to do guides. I can't remember the name of the. You remember that company that used to make all the like game guides? You would go and like Game Station. Was it Game I, Station? I kind of know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. they'd have like the little guides. They used to have them for Madden, and they would have projected ratings, so you could increase okay. people's right, okay. ratings and stuff, and it would stuff like that. It was actually fairly interesting. Okay, cool. Well. Anyway, enough of that. We kind of, I wanted it to be like a little two minute thing. We've ended up going talking about five minutes. About I can't shut my mouth. And stuff like that. But no, it's good. It's good. You can tell that we've not been together on a podcast for quite a while. But anyway, so we're on to top five corners, under and overrated player. My guy, do you want to kick us off with your number five? Yeah. Uh, best named player in college football right now, I think, probably. Cool. You know who's going to be Storm yeah. Duck at yeah. UNC. And I didn't put him on the list just because of his name, but. He's been pretty fantastic for UNC. Now, top five might be a reach for some people. And I know a lot of people think the guy I'm putting is underrated. I think a lot of people will actually have as overrated. Sorry, I think people would have around the five mark. But I just like the way he plays. Now, the UNC team we've seen last year is all right. Somehow. Yeah. All right. Um but I think this year they're going to have to lean on the defense a lot. And I think that's where Storm Duck's going to come into his own. He 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 doesn't possess maybe the most elite athleticism that I always look for in corners. But he does have fantastic short range. His click and close ability is great. And he can get his hands up there. While he's, he's not a supreme when it comes to catching, he's got great limb control. He, he can always pop out there and pop a ball out. And he's mm. never... He draws flags here and there, but who doesn't? But he's I like him. And he's not... One of these guys who's so people love like guys like Kaya Elam for their size, whereas I liked guys like Elijah Moulton and stuff because they're smaller. They're not drawing those flags because they're not a massive mess of limbs. <laughs> but Storm Duck, he he can go up there and play like a six three guy, but he isn't that. Like I said, he's not a mess of limbs, so he's not calling flags and stuff all the time. I just think 
he's probably. I don't know if he'll. I, this is a really strong corner class. It is. Yeah. Looking at it, it's not the one of two years ago where you had all in the top round. You had like Satane uh, and all of those guys, and Asante Samuel Jr., J.C. Horn, all of these guys. It's a very, very fantastic class. So putting him in the top five, I think, is enough for him to be drafted late in the first round, around the 20s. Okay, so we're looking at him maybe like, you know, sneaking in that. He's a good player. He's a really good player. I reckon he'll end up at like the Patriots or something like that. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, no, he's a good player. He is a good player. Like you say, UNC defense is probably going to have to step up a little bit because they're probably going to be starting a young quarterback. Um, I don't know if they've got a four-star Drake May who's going to be potentially taking over from Howell. So there's going to be some growing pains, isn't there, with the first year starter I think he's only a sophomore as well so yeah you're gonna to have to kind of lean on these guys and they've got a couple of good co- uh, cornerbacks as well actually they've got Tony Graham too I'm going to talk about it in a minute actually um, and I think they're both pretty similar like I don't think either of them are very very tall because Grimes is only six foot as well and I was just going to kind of like piggyback off what you were saying really because Grimes is my number five and I think a lot of like the attributes and the kind of things that you're saying are kind of ring true for Tony Grimes as well because like they're both, like I say, similar build, similar kind of guys. Grimes was um, a higher rated player coming out of high school. He was the number three cornerback in the 2020 recruiting class behind probably a couple of guys that we'll talk about later as well. Kelly Ringo and Eli Ricks, who I'm sure you'll have plenty to say about um, later on. Um, I would say that Grimes is probably a better athlete than Storm Duck. Um, Tony Grimes ran track. He did long jump as well. So he's obviously got explosiveness. Um, and I think that from what I saw watching both of them and watching the defence as a whole, as I did um, over the past week or so, I think that Grimes is more the kind of like press guy and he's more comfortable in press. And I just thought, yeah, his mirror he's a lot stronger than were, the duck. were good. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. And he kind of uses it, you know, being comfortable in press coverage, probably matching up with, you know, the, the number one guy, so to speak, with the other guy, with the other team. And one thing that does definitely mirror what you were saying about Storm Duck is I thought that Tony Grimes just always looked like balanced and in control. I thought that he always looked like in control of his rep. He was never like panicking, even if like he got left behind by a yard or two. He had like decent recovery speed. And that short area quickness definitely rings true with both of these guys as well. Like fluidity and change of direction, the change of direction skills is, is really one of his highest rated attributes on my scale. So yeah, I was really happy uh, with both of these guys. Duck just outside my top five, but yeah, Tony Grimes is is my number five. And like I say, UNC got a pair of really good corners moving forward into the 2022 season. Their defence reminds me of Washington's of like two years ago a little bit, where they've got these elite guys in the secondary. Yeah. And then, you know, front fours. <laughs> Not too great. Yeah, it's all right. But you know what I mean? They've got that elite secondary, so they can mm. really... I think they should run like, honestly, like a four-two-five defence. Because yeah. that would just make a lot more sense given the front four and the amount of like talent they have in the secondary. And it would also make sense in the ACC as well, because we know that the ACC this year has got some receivers, right? Like A.T. Perry, the type, the guys at Virginia. Who want to uh, try and pick off Cade Klubnik four times a fucking game. <laughs> if he's going to start, he can't be worse than DJ Wigalele or whatever. It's, I can't pronounce his name, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they've got Joseph and Garter as well, haven't they? Yeah, Clemson, that is. And... I'm sure that the other, the other teams in that division have got some guys as well, because they usually do. So, yeah, no, it's good that UNC have got a couple of corners that we can be looking at in a secondary as well. So, yeah, no, absolutely like both of those players and just kind of piggybacking off the same team with our number fives. Do you want to kind of piggyback off you there? So do you want to kind of hit us up with your number four there? Yeah, a guy that you're actually a little bit in love with, I think, Cam okay. Smith. All right, OK, cool. I just, you know, when we talk about you see something on tape and you're like, that's a that's a Sunday guy. I see that with some of the plays he's running now. They call themselves the real USC. Um, I don't know <laughs> if we can really call South Carolina that, but he is a typical SEC cornerback. Mm. He's got fluid hips, great transitions, great after-catch balance that is, is harder to find in corners, but he goes out there and plays hard every single play. Now, I'm not entirely convinced on USC's defensive scheme that it's going to be like one of the top levels in the SEC and I feel like they're going to have to once again do a lot of hard work for the the offense because they have just an absolute scrub running that offense right now as anyone (laughs) who's listened to last week's pod will know 
your yeah, opinions. I'm not. I'm not going to bash on Rattler, but if we have to go by previous performances at Oklahoma, he might struggle a little bit in the mm, SEC mm. because let's be honest, the Big Twelve isn't known for elite defenses. No, and 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 he was kind of struggling. Now he's coming to the conference where every defense is an NFL defense essentially. But with that, that's why I actually like about Cam is that he's going to be playing in these exotic looks these more complicated things so I think he's going to have a leg up on a couple of the other guys that we were talking about but I I just it's the IQ thing for me the way he reads quarterbacks eyes he never gets his eyes left in the backfield too much which you kind of see with a lot of these guys like Cam Smith who do like to lay a hit on people which we've seen Cam Smith do we know Mm. he likes to hit people which is a I think a very important uh, part of playing cornerback is being willing to tackle not just having good form but being willing to go up there and step into your tackles and he does that you sent me a particular clip where he just laid the hammer down on a running back I thought my god that that guy might be dead um (laughs) but but he doesn't like we see on that play he diagnosed the run perfectly he knew when it was coming and it's not like um and we've seen on play action that he's he's been fooled here and there when he was younger but now last season just yeah, and that that's the thing I like. Will it, these guys who love to tackle and just lay their helmet on people, they, they can get caught watching the backfield sometimes, and then get before they know it, there's a wide receiver twenty yards away yeah. from them. So yeah, yeah. yeah, I really like his IQs and his mentals. Yeah, I I big agree, man. Like you were correct when you open it up. I do really like Ham Smith. I was talking um, on Twitter about him on the weekend and. Yeah, I just kind of like, if it was like favourite corner, I might have him number one in this class right now. But it, it, I'm going to talk about it a little bit later, so I'm not going to go dive too much into him. But one thing I will say, obviously, it's something that we've talked about in, I think, quite a few times in previous podcasts, where we've both talked about the willingness to tackle aspect of like playing cornerback in the NFL these days. And I think like you, you just mentioned it when we were talking about the UNC guys, like NFL now, it's like nickel defense is like base defense right it's kind of the obvious kind of thing to say and you've you've got these linebackers as well now in the league that are essentially safeties so you could sure. be you can you can come out looking like it's a, a cover two or you know um you could come out looking like you know tampa two or you could like be running a blitz but you're essentially running with a nickel package because you have yeah. sometimes two linebackers on the field that are playing like safeties you mm. take Parsons and Simmons and JOK they're built like safeties but they hit like linebackers yeah sure so I I think that's as we're moving towards that in the league guys like this that you said like Cam Smith who who are willing to lay a hit and get physical are just going to be more and more in demand yeah sure and just to kind of piggyback off that and we know that with the popularity now like the wide zone offense and things like that with the Rams and the 49ers the Jets, now the Dolphins, you know, it's kind of spreading throughout the league. You need some guys on the perimeter who are willing to tackle because it's not going to go through the middle anymore, right? So you need some guys who, instead of running towards a... I mean, I'll just use my own kind of guy. Asante Samuel's not the biggest corner in the world for the Chargers, but he doesn't mind the tackle. You know, you need someone who is willing. And I think Cam Smith is probably a better tackle than Asante Samuel is and was in college, certainly. And you're going to need those guys who... Because otherwise the wide zone's just going to run towards the perimeter all the time and look just at, destroy you. Look at some of the right? plays Samuel made last year. In, mm. Like, obviously, he had some, like, crazy diving interceptions yeah. and breakups yeah. that just made him look like an absolute physical marvel. But then he kind of looks like a smaller guy, but then you see him hit people and you get that, you know, that shudder you get when you see someone get really, mm. like, mm. really hit. I got that a lot from him. Well, he did have two concussions last year as well, which is probably... A bad piece of news, but it's something that he needs to sort out. But, you know, if you get these corners that can and do tackle well, like Cam Smith, then it's going to be a big plus for your defence. So it's kind of like moving with the times, right? And these guys are going to be way more valuable these days than they would have been. Also, you can reduce the, the, the strain on your head if you just get your tackling form a bit better. Yeah. I think that's all it was, was he was adjusting to the, not even the speed of the game. He was just adjusting to the level of competition. Yeah. So he was maybe overcompensating a little bit. Yeah, potentially. Potentially. Anyway, I'm going to move on. So I'm going to, like I said before, I'm going to talk about Cam Smith in a moment. My number four guy is Clark Phillips the third from Utah. Got to get a Pac-12 guy in there, right? So got to get him in there <clears throat> in the top five. Excuse me. So yeah, Clark Phillips is really, really good watch for anyone 
who wants to stay up a little bit later and watch some Utah football. I was over on the No Huddle podcast fairly recently. Shout out, James. Shout out, Jordan. And uh, yeah, I tipped Utah to win the Pac-12. So these, these guys are going to be around and Clark Phillips is going to be one of the best defenders on that team. Um, in terms of like his pedigree, uh, another five-star cornerback, I think the vast majority of my top five are five stars. Um, he's a skinnier, smaller guy. He's 5'10", 191. Um, however, he makes up for it with elite movement skills, both laterally and in the short area. Pretty similar to what I was saying with Grimes, really. Long speed and in straight line. He's fast. He's you know not like lightning fast, but he's quick enough. Um, he, obviously, because of his smaller frame, he's not really used in like a physical way. He's not really used on like press man or anything like that, which could harm his value a little bit. And I think I have taken that into account with my grading. Um, he plays a lot of zone in Utah's scheme and he kind of is maybe like not hidden, that's not the right word, but they don't kind of use him to do things that he isn't going to be good at, like press man, like I say, and being really physical with bigger receivers. Um, he gets involved in the run, but his size sufficiency does mean that he is less effective at that. He is happy to get involved with run support, he's scrappy and competitive, but in his strong suit, do you know what I mean? But he is a really good cover guy, I'd say in zone, most particularly, and he can play inside and out. Long term, because of his size, because of his sort of short area quickness and scrappiness, I believe he will be an elite nickel defender in the NFL, but I don't think he'll play on the outside. And just going back to value, obviously that means it's going to be hurt, and that's probably why he's number four and not a little bit higher on the list for me. So yeah, Clark Phillips, a really good corner, really good watch. Yeah, and it, it it's important now, especially when you're going for a corner in the first round, you need to be able to play him outside as well. Especially with now we're seeing a lot more of these these elite wide receivers who are exclusively almost playing outside. Guys like Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Not actually as much. You don't see it with Cooper Cup. He plays inside a lot now, does a lot of internal blocking as well. But he he'll probably, you know, He'll be eating up those sort of blocks, I think, off wide receivers. But yeah, I agree with you. Not being able to play outside is going to hurt his stock a little bit, but still an exceptional corner. Mm. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to just carry on with what we were talking about. Go back to Cam Smith because he's my number three guy. And like you say, long, lean corner, great length, physical. And that's pretty much it. Loves a big hit. <laughs> Um, I think, I don't know if you mentioned this, but yeah, 6'1", 187, so a little bit skinny. Looks like he could definitely hold a little bit more weight anyway. But he does look well-built and well-proportioned from what I've written. He's got good speed with long strides as well. And like I say, click and close sometimes is, is out of this world, as I posted that clip on Twitter over the weekend where he kind of just like destroyed someone through the sideline. It's like there was no other players on the field but him and the <laughs> running back, the way he just, because he just, he had him from the snap. Like, yeah. not even the handoff, the snap. He mm. knew what was coming, and he just drove down on him and buried him. Yeah, and, you know, he's he's got the production, the ball skills with it as well. So, like you say, in the SEC, that's going to be the sort of thing that he's going to get opportunities to prove as well. And yeah, um, he's, you know, I think he's got good tracking on ball skills. Like I say, I think there was one, I can't remember what game it was in, what I watched. He kind of had this over-the-shoulder interception, which was kind of nice, and definitely got my sort of kind of moving towards the end of the seat, edge of the seat. So, um, and then just, yeah, I've been mentioning it for every other person. So I'll just mention he's a four, he's a previously a four star coming out of high school. So yeah, he's always in attack mode. And like I say, it's going to be real, real player in the NFL, I think. So yeah, my number three guy is your number four guy. And that's uh, Cam Smith from South Carolina. Yeah. Also the fact that he can take in an interception like that, just, on what I'm saying about how he studies the field. Yeah. He's not losing the ball in midair. He knows exactly where it is. He's not struggling to get himself turned around and it just fell straight into his hands. It was perfect. Mm. But my number three guy, I don't even know if he's on your list, but if he is, he's probably going to be potentially number one. Okay. Um, but it's Keely Ringo from Georgia. Yeah. Obviously, I've watched him. I've watched him. Big fan. <laughs> <laughs> that dude is fast, man. <laughs> yeah, and we, we we saw in the national championship game another five star. I will say like that, another five star. He was the number he one actually, guy. He was the number one cornerback in this one in the class. Despite the fact that he had seven hundred and twelve rushing yards and thirteen touchdowns as a running back <laughs> as a senior at high school. Um, but yeah, he's just been fantastic for Georgia. And I think it's another thing that Georgia do well is they scheme really well. They yeah. know where to play play guys perfectly. So some schools you have, 
guys like Keely Ringo come in and the defensive coordinators and the guy, the DB coaches just have no idea how to use them correctly or use them to their strengths. And that's what George has done perfectly. Like now he did have a torn labrum, I think it was. So obviously there are some injury concerns there, but it, it doesn't seem to be bothering because he's probably, well, he obviously is in our top three corners, but he's one of the best corners in college football right now. I think he's, he's amazing. He's got that championship pedigree, which People, you know, maybe don't pay enough attention to that. But that is the biggest stage in college football. Whether you're at Michigan and you're seeing 110,000 fans in the stand every week doesn't really matter. Mm. When you're going out there to AT&T Stadium, whatever the fuck it was, and you're playing in front of millions on TV and there's 90,000 people there, the fact that you can still perform like that under pressure just translates very well to the NFL because it means you're not going to get overwhelmed. You're not going to get stressed out and in your own head. And you're going to be to go out there and perform at a high level from day one. And that's what I really like about him. Yeah, no, I, I'm, again, I'm going to kind of not say too much because he's high on my list, um, which actually means I don't think, I think you've got a guy in your top two that I don't have on my list at all, which is kind of interesting. It's essentially a guy I've not watched, but we'll kind of see. But I think yeah. you know who it is, honestly. <laughs> okay. Like I say, um, he was the number one cornerback in that 2020 class, and he was the number four player overall um, behind Brian Breezy, uh, Bryce Rubin, Julian Fleming, the Ohio State wide receiver. So, like I say, we're talking about a, a real high pedigree guy with some great traits. and A crazy like say, athlete. The, the, the tape that we were watching is a redshirt freshman from last year, so that's just like crazy how like, good he is. And so I like... Him. I like that he played on offense at high school. Mm, yeah. Because then that, as much as like college is, you know, levels ahead in terms of complexity, it does sort of give him a better idea of formations and yeah. motions and, and things like that, which will become way more important when he gets to the NFL. But right now in college football, he plays in the SEC. So he's going to have to be dealing with stuff like that. And that's what I really like that he has that experience. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. You can definitely see that he's got that intelligence anyway from like, you know, he's been recruited to Georgia, he's a five-star, things like that. And, you know, he's had that experience playing both sides of the ball, which just adds to that experience. I'm not going to say too much more because like I said, I'm going to talk about it a little bit later on when we come to the higher grades. But um, I've got, a, I don't like comps and you know that I don't like comps. I don't really do them, but I do have like a comp for him. I don't think I love it, but he definitely reminded me of someone. Who, who's the comp? I'm going to tell you when I, when I talk about him later Okay. On. Okay. Um, do, you want to, do you want me to do my number two then? Because yeah, think he's probably not in your top five. Yeah. Are you ready? Come on. Garrett Williams. Okay, okay. Yeah, we talked about this guy, didn't we? I've not uh, watched him. Yeah, and this is a guy who's like, you know, maybe he could have gone in the underrated, but there was another guy I really wanted to give a shout out. And then I watched more Garrett Williams tape and I was like, he's he's pretty good. Um <laughs> I think definitely heads and shoulders the best corner in the Big Ten. I don't think that's even. I think it's the Big Ten. I guess. Is he right? Up. Syracuse. Oh yeah, it is. Sorry, I get them. I get them mixed up with um, Illinois because yeah, the same colour. Um, but yeah, he he's just one of those guys. He's 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 got the length on his frame, even mm. though he's not necessarily like. He's only six foot or whatever and 190, but like the, his actual wingspan is crazy and he looks great when he's out there. I actually liken him to Andrew Booth. Okay. But maybe a little yeah. bit less athletic, but just the way he plays. Um, he's fantastic at tracking the ball in the air. Another guy whose click and close fan, uh, ability is fantastic. He does need to work on his tackling a little bit because I've noticed on some tackles he can come in, especially against running backs, actually. He can tackle on a bit high, which will just lead to them dropping him off because he's got he's coming high they've already got momentum but yeah I really like what he does another guy who I said mental game is fantastic which I think is probably one of the most important things yeah I, it's one of those guys that like you watch him and you're like he's got all the tools to be an NFL guy but I feel like sometimes just through consequence of him being on the team he's on he's not gonna get many many looks at him because there are teams like Syracuse where people just look at him and they're like well Syracuse is an academic school, so maybe he's not the the top guy on the list, but I really like him. Um, yeah. Syracuse kind of sucked, though. That's the problem. <laughs> that um, is a problem. <laughs> they've sent, they've the sent deep, some good DBs to NFL recently, though. 
Yeah, the, the problem what was it? Um, Obi Melifonwu and Obi uh, Melifonwu. I should remember him. He's he was safety as well. I can't remember who it was. I think he went to yeah. the Jags. The other guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the problem is though because people tend to, especially we don't because we are draft guys. But when you look at defenses, people just tend to look at them as a unit. Whereas mm-hmm. offense is a little bit more individual because sure. there are guys making big touchdown plays, whereas defense, a pass breakup isn't quite as sexy. So people look at it more as a unit. And I think that's actually what dragged him down. But, you know, 13 pass breakups, he's got, he's great in coverage. Um, the only thing I don't like is he's a little bit weak attacking the ball. Like I said, he's got the breakups, but he's not going for the interceptions. I don't know whether he's just not confident in his hands or whatever, mm. but there's been a couple of pass breakups where he easily just could have got two hands on the ball and come down with it. And I think that's where he's going to struggle, especially against bigger receivers, because they're just going to outmuscle him. If he's just trying to slap the ball and get it down, if they get a hand on it first, he's toast. Yeah. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Because I think the thing that you're you mentioned there about the seeing the defense as a unit, I think is almost like fantasy football kind of like having too much influence on the way that people kind of see the game. I know there's like DP leagues and things like that, all that stuff. You know how we feel about fantasy football. Yeah, it's like you know people just kind of think of this as like one big unit, and that's kind of how it's displayed in in your fantasy leagues and things like that. So maybe that's that's the reason for it. But yeah, like I said before, he's a player that I know we we sent a couple of messages about in the past week or so as we've been kind of building up to this. It's a player that I need to watch. He wasn't on my original list. And after I knew that you had him in your top five, I thought I'll just let you kind of have him and I'll kind of get eyes on him later on. I can cover more guys and we'll talk about more people on the pod. But yeah, it's a, it's an exciting one because like you say, it's it's nice to get these kind of um, prospects that come out of these schools that don't really contribute that much to the NFL because it's like more exciting, I think, than just everyone coming from Alabama. <laughs> that, that actually surprised me the most, I think, when we were scouting, when we've been doing the draft guide is like, you'll see a horrible defense and then you'll go watch a player on there. You're like, there's no shot. This guy's a fucking prospect. <laughs> this defense is terrible. Yeah. And then you actually get to watch and you're like, wow, this dude is really, really talented. That's I think, good. <laughs> I think probably it will come up when we talk about Eli Ricks is that, especially when he was at LSU, phenomenal player, but was not being helped at all by the people around him, just due to like Bo Pelini being a bad coach, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and I think that no, that's actually what notices for Garrett. It's just that bad defense <laughs> makes the whole defense look bad. But when you actually look at him, premier corner, I think could definitely be, could, if he has a good year this year, could sneak into being the top corner off the board. Personally. There we go. There we go then. There we go, everyone. Everyone's listening should go out and watch Garrett Williams from Syracuse right now because that is a that is some some uh, you know run down. Turn it off when you're done because Syracuse football is terrible. <laughs> and yeah, I just looked up. It was Andre Cisco the other. The, I think it's like a free safety oh, for Jags a couple of years ago. Um, so let's do that then. Let's talk about Eli Rick Eli Ricks because he's my number two guy. Uh, I know you're gonna have some things to say. So let me do the rundown first. So six foot two, one ninety six, five star corner. Um, number two corner in that recruiting class that I've been mentioning the whole way through, the 2020 recruiting class, only behind Kayla Ringo. Uh, obviously transferred from LSU, which we'll hear about a lot in a second. This guy just looks like a CV1, right? He's got the build, he's got the length, he's got the wingspan. It almost looks like he's got the attitude as well. Like he just seems to me, and you'll kind of pick me up on this more because you'll obviously watch this guy all the time when he was at LSU, but he's a sort of player and sort of corner that you can leave on an island with someone, I think in the NFL and I just think that he's happy to be impressed man I think he's wanting to impose himself on the receiver the whole time as well because I saw him unleashing this like violent two-handed jam that he's got he's very very physical line of scrimmage he's happy to be impressed man obviously that's going to mean his value is, is even higher I think he's got good footwork good transitions kind of smooth oily hips as you'll I'm sure come on to a little bit later and when he's not impressed man he's happy to attack downhill we've been talking about the run game quite a lot I think he's super competitive like that and his coverage skills are just excellent. Do you know what I mean? I just think he's like a real good man coverage corner that has the ball tracking, the ball skills, and everything else to kind of go along with it. That means he's going to be a playmaker in the NFL. I think he's got the athleticism, he's got the he's got the you know the build and everything else around it. I think he's potentially after a good season of Alabama. Sorry, he's going to be the complete package and potentially the number one corner off the board. Well, he is actually my number one corner. So okay. <laughs> you've, despite, not, you've not killed him too much. For despite LSU. the fact that he's going to get toasted by Garrett Nussmeyer for a game this season, <laughs> he is 
such an exceptional corner. Now, I wrote down a stat because I found it interesting. He's taken 227 press snaps, Mm. allowed six of 21 targets for only 121 yards. Pretty good. But also, the thing I like that you talked about he's physical. The thing I like, he'll get his hands on people, which will actually, for a lot of wide receivers, especially... Uh, maybe more so at Alabama just because you tend to have more time in the pocket at Alabama that's just how the things go the way he gets his hands on people he'll cause receivers to alter their roots in their tracks where you've got guys they're like oh I can't get outside so I'm going to have to turn you know maybe turn it into a hook or something but then he's just going to drive down on the ball anyway which is why you're just not going to target his side of the field Yeah, the negatives He's decided that going to Alabama would be a good idea. Now, <laughs> that wouldn't annoy me. I can understand if he, he's doing it, it's a business decision. He came to LSU for coach didn't want to be coached under Brian Kelly. That's fine. The thing that really, really, really rubbed me the wrong way is the fact that he decided to wear number seven. Now, we've talked about the importance of number seven on this podcast, how it is given to you by the player who wore it before you. Keishon Butte has it now. He was It was given to him by Derek Stingley. Stingley got it from Chase. Chase got it from, I think, DJ Chark, so on and so forth. That's what I don't... Oh, no, Delpit, sorry, gave it to uh, Chase. That's what I didn't like. That's where I feel like a little bit disrespected. Yeah, because he was like number one at LSU, wasn't he? So he didn't yeah, and it. the thing was, how it tends to go, whoever's wearing number one, if they show out, will probably be wearing number seven next season. That's just sort of how it goes. Now, we never play seven two sides of the ball like we did with one. Obviously, you have Ricks, Boutte. Yeah. Yeah, it just that, that was something that I think if you are, I'm not a traditionalist per se, but it did annoy me. I saw it and I was like, <laughs> come on, man. You can't, as as a guy who put as much as you did into LSU and as much as you were about respect and being the best player you could be, that just rubbed me the wrong way. But he's at Alabama now and Nick Saban knows defense. Nick Saban can develop defensive backs. He's mm-hmm. not quite DBU, but that's more in the recruiting than it is the coaching. So, I think Ricks is probably going to be the best corner in in college football, but not just through virtue of his physical skills and how great he is as a player. I think he's going to be seriously aided by Saban's. You know, I thought he would probably be number one anyway in this class if he was still at LSU. That's not a home of you. He's just a very good cornerback. Mm. But I think at Alabama, the defensive scheme is just going to take him to an extra level. And I think he'll probably be going top five. Yeah, I, I I can't disagree with much of that, to be honest with you. I think, like I say, he's a complete package, potentially, after another, you know, deep playoff run. Well, I say deep playoff run, it's like two games, isn't it? <laughs> if they get to the championship. Yeah. But, but, you know, if he could play 15 games this season, then... He's got, he's got some tough opponents this season as well. Alabama, as always, run yeah. the gauntlet in college football year in, year out. They don't give a shit. They'll take on anyone. And I think that's going to be... It's to, his, it's to his positive him, right? Because I yeah, think, exactly. I think one thing that really impressed me with Ricks was one of the games that I watched. Let me just pull it up. Let me go back to him. Was actually the Alabama game from 2020. So you know he was he doing it he's... against all these guys who Alabama had and are now in the NFL. And you know he's holding up his own. And a lot of my notes that I've just read out are like created from that game. So it shows up, doesn't it, that he's there to do it against the best in college football. And then you know as much as he's now playing for them and he won't be going up against their guys although to be fair Alabama's guys and wide receiver at the minute aren't too hot are they now but um, he also looked fantastic against Florida in 2020 picked Kyle Trask off at like the 20 yard line and just housed it it was an absolutely ridiculous play now I know it's Florida so it wasn't really (laughs) much of a challenge but still fantastic play from him and he's got the ball skills and that the speed unreal (laughs) unreal yeah absolutely and that's just like I say, just part of that complete package that I've been that I've been talking about. And I mean, when I kind of now move on to my number one guy, who we've already talked about, is Kaylee Ringo. There isn't actually that much between them on my scale. There's like one point. I think it's like eighty six point seven versus eighty seven point nine. So it's it's kind of like not a great deal. 
And I think on their like tape score, it's like essentially the same. It's just like all the little factors that kind of give him that slight edge, but they're basically the same. But yeah, Kaylee Ringo is my number one. Um, like I say, he's just essentially another guy who I could say the same sort of things. And you kind of talked about it a lot. You know, it's a complete package, six foot two, two oh five. And he's got some great film out there and it's, it's, it's like a young age as well. But I'll kind of circle back. I kind of won't repeat too much because I think you kind of gave a good rundown earlier. Um, my comp for him, although he needs to get a little bit lower in his stance, is he reminds me of Jalen Ramsey quite a lot. He's got that tall, thin build. And do you know like Jalen Ramsey's just always talking and he's like gum shield's always like just draping down from his, his face shield. That's what Katie Ringo's like, and he just reminds me of that. And he just looks like he's one on one with this guy. He's in man coverage quite a lot. And I thought this guy like just reminds me a little bit of Jalen Ramsey from like the build more than maybe the playing style and things like that. But I was gonna say I like like Jalen Ramsey's stance. Dude's essentially dragging his fingers across the ground. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, crazy, crazy how low he gets. This is where he needs to get a little bit lower. But I do think that it just gave me that thought. And I'm not someone who looks for comps. It it just kind of was something I noted down because it popped into my head because. Things like that Sometimes that. you can just see it when people play. Like you'll see a guy run a play, and you'd be like, "Wow, that really looked like yeah this guy person. here." Yeah, and especially coming from us because we don't tend to do comps. Really, we think they're a little bit silly because players are so individual, and it's so hard to comp people. But yeah, yeah. I think that's actually that's actually quite impressive. And he talks a lot of shit. <laughs> I, actually, I actually really like that. Now, obviously, Jalen Ramsey, people call him like a prima donna or whatever, but I thought when he showed up to Jags training camp in a Brinks truck filled with dollar bills with all his Adidas gear on, asking <laughs> to get paid. I mean, you've got to be that as a cornerback. So that's if it, you that's can it. do that, he it's gets drafted bit... to the Lions and then shows up <laughs> in a Brinks truck. With his... That would be exceptional. It's a little bit like, you know, we talk about when we talk about offensive linemen, I'm sure Keith will come on with Raj in a few weeks and talk about offensive linemen. And you want them to be a bit of a dickhead when they're an offensive lineman. You want them to Not be Not quite a bit... Trevor Penning levels, but yeah. Yeah, sure. You know, you want them to be a bit cocky and like very sure of themselves as a cornerback one, especially if you want them to be that one number one guy for your team. So I don't mind it. And it's just something that popped into my head and you know, he's definitely going to be someone who is obviously not all on this season because he's only a redshirt sophomore still. Like, he's a really young guy. So he doesn't yeah. have to, like, put it all out this season. But if he does, then he's going to be going to the draft really, really young as one of the best guys, which is huge, I think. You know, I think it's really kind of impressive that he's able to kind of play at that level at such a young age. So that kind of rounds off our top fives, right? Yeah, do you want to do overrated first because i got a real bug to bear with my overrated yeah, yeah yeah go for it man noah daniels at tcu okay. he's a sixth year <laughs> senior and this dude cannot stay healthy <laughs> he just he just can't i don't you could draft him in the first round but that's cool he won't be there in week 10 he'll be rehabbing an acl an mcl a torn shoulder his head might fall off in a game he might turn up next week with one foot i don't know what's going on with him now very very good corner do not get me wrong i think he's a fantastic player but there's so many injury red flags which i think honestly is going to drop into like late round three. I think that's what's going to happen. You've got first round talent, but because of the injury concerns, I think it's going to drop him to like late round three. And I think that's a good place for him because you don't want to spend a first round guy on a pick. You're not sure if he's ever going to play a full season Mm. because I don't think he, I don't think he can. He's, he's just a little bit brittle. Now that's not a mark on him. He's a great guy. He performs well in interviews, a very team orientated guy. He's a leader in the locker room. My only problem comes from injuries and I've never been this down on a player. It's almost Carson Strong levels of just like absolutely shot um, and brittle body. Mm. So that's why I've got him overrated because some people are still saying he's a first round guy, but I think that the injuries just limit his potential so much. Yeah, there's, I, he's a player I watch, and he's a player I actually quite quite enjoyed watching. Um, the injuries, like you say, are a big concern. He's not my overrated or underrated guy, but he's definitely someone who I think needs a big season. I was talking to our guy, Jack Brentmore, a little bit about him on the weekend, and we kind of had a couple of tweets between each other about Noah Daniels. And one thing that I kind of picked out as kind of worrisome for him is his just complete like lack of production on the ball. Like he's had no interceptions in college and he's played three years already. And he's got very, I don't have the stats in front of me, but he's got very, very few pass breakups as well. So 
and I don't know if that's because he's playing opposite Travis Hodgkins, Tomlinson, who's like five foot nine, and TCU's opponents are just like going that way all the time. But when he is tested, he just doesn't get his hands on the football at all. Never mind, like you know, just picking him off. And we know that defense is all about turnovers in the NFL nowadays. So I actually had him rated fairly lowly. I think I was like top, like he's in the he's 10, 10, yeah, he was 10 for me, like a fourth round grade. So he's a player that I didn't mind, but um, yeah, not overall underrated for me, but just a player that I kind of like wanted more from, yeah. let's say. And the only reason I put overrated because I see so many people mention him as like this top five guy. And mm. I just, and I hate to dig on someone for injuries because realistically, unless you are just not giving a shit about rehab, the injuries are not your fault. Yeah. But it obviously has to come into play. Do you, Carson Strong would not have gone undrafted if his knees weren't made of peanut butter. You know what I mean? Like he would have been drafted if he could actually like walk without a limp. And, and I hate to mark him down for it, but yeah, that's, that's what I've had to do. I think he's supremely talented, but I think there's too many worries about injuries to even be able to draft him in the first round anymore. But I think if he can stay healthy and you can get to a team with like really good rehab and stuff, he could potentially be the steal of the draft. Yeah, he, he's definitely got some talent for sure. Um, I think, again, he kind of falls into that kind of like modern day press man coverage corner. Um, and, you know, he's, he's kind of a guy for TCU as well. And like I say, they've got another good corner over there as well. So we'll kind of be watching them closely. But yeah, like I say, I just want No Daniels to have a, a good season, you know. Um, my overrated guy is Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State. He, I was so close to picking him. Yeah, I, I saw I saw in the week leading up to us kind of like preparing for this pod and like watching the film and things like that. I was expecting him to be in my top five. He is coming to number seven for me um, after a couple of other guys. Who, no, no, one of the guys I've not mentioned today after my top five. I was expecting a lot more from him because I saw I saw sorry other kind of you know pro reporters and things like that kind of talking him up. So I was like, okay, on a pedestal a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and I was waiting for kind of the big games to kind of start. To be honest with you, I think he's got a lot of the almost like a lot of the characteristics that we've talked about. For example, we've talked about playing both sides of the ball. Joey Porter Jr. was a four-star cornerback slash wide receiver in high school, so he's played both sides of the ball. Like we're saying with Kelly Ringo, doesn't have the ball production of someone who. Kind of has those understandings it's, and things like it's that. It's ridiculous though. how you can be a, a four-star wide receiver but just suck at attacking the ball at a catch point. It's exactly. so crazy. To exactly. Me. I, I just think, like, for someone who was rated that highly and also had a father that played in the NFL for the 13 years, Joe Porter Jr., played for Pittsburgh, Miami, and the Cardinals. And I just don't the, feel the like... The name matters, though. Say that again. The name value matters. Hmm. Yeah. Because there's no way Arch Manning is this top recruit without, like, he'd be good, but he wouldn't be a perfect recruit <laughs> ranking without a name. And I think Joey Porter Jr. has a little bit of that to him, maybe rated a little bit higher because of who his father was. Potentially. I can I can see that because, again, he just doesn't have, like, the, te- the technique that you would think of someone who grew up around the NFL. Like, he plays, like, way too upright. Like, I know I kind of said about Ringo playing a little upright, but... That was kind of like the only or one of the only things that I could say that was negative about the film. But there's a quite a few things on, on Porter's film and you know, he just needs to be physically stronger. You know, you think that again he'd be working out from a young age and kind of building that power. And I just don't think he has like a lot of stopping power in his tackles when he does. So I think he can slide off guys, which, you know, if you're out on the edge is kind of <laughs> untidy to say the least. And you know, can lead to big, big games for the other team. And you know, I just think aside from um just wanting a lot bit more, I just think like was he that good? Do you know what I mean? He was good, but was he really that good, if you see what I mean? So, Be yeah, right I was expecting a bit more. Say that again. Be all right on specialties. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously, he's, he's obviously got some attributes. Like I say, he's only coming at number seven, so he's not terrible, but... I think he just needs that extra level of coaching. I think he's one of those guys that will probably see not be great in his rookie year but then have a real leap forward after he's had that full year of learning and and mm. experience and being able to grow yeah could could be could be i mean he's at penn state isn't it so you'd think that they'd have like some decent coaching but they're probably interested in other things up there well let's say let's say a lot less than we're gonna know about that and um, who's your underrated guy now i've given you two hints yeah, i said, he, have, plays yeah. at, I said uh, he plays at, at the fcs level uh-huh he wears number 21. 
He's a uh, second team all swag selection. I'm not going to get this because I don't pay attention to FCS too much. It is Jackson State Shiloh Sanders. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, you were now, talking about him. <laughs> we like, the day, we? Yeah, the thing I like about him is his first year in the SEC, he was actually named to the academic honour roll, mm. which shows that he's going hard in the classroom as well, which is actually really underappreciated. He goes hard in the film room. Now, I know probably some of that is the fact that his dad is the head coach and yeah. his brother is the quarterback. Yeah. And so he's probably just there by virtue of being there, but he's looked fantastic. He made 39 tackles last year, um, had picks in, I think, five games. Um, he, he's just been fantastic. He's tied for the most, oh, tied for second in the SWAC for four interceptions, sorry. So he, he he's like a ball hawk, but out there, he's just locking people down. Now, I know we're saying, oh, this is FCS or whatever, but people forget, especially at HBCUs like Jackson State, there is a litany of talent. We've even seen the past few days, The Rock and the XFL have been specifically doing HBCU showcases down in the South. They were in Mississippi yesterday at Jackson State. Mm. That is essentially now going to set up to become a feeder league for the NFL. So there are guys here with pro potential. And I don't think enough people are looking at Shiloh Sanders. And I think it is through virtue of him not being at HBCU, but it being at an FCS school. He's just fantastic. And obviously he's got the pedigree. He's being coached by, in my opinion, one of the greatest defensive backs to ever play the game. A man with so giant testicles. When the (laughs) Giants called him pre-draft, he said, I'm not going to be there when you're picking and hung up the phone. Mm. And when asked about his contract, he said, I'm going to ask for so much money. They have to put me on layaway. If Shiloh is even 5% of his dad's talent and marketing skills, he's going to be a beast. Now, six foot, 195 pounds, pack on five pounds, I reckon, maybe 10. Give yourself an inch extra in height. I don't know, wear some lifts in your cleats. He's just built to play corner. Now, like I said, the only concern is it is the FCS level. The, the competition, you know, you you don't really see FCS teams go up to D like um, FBS and wallop them. We see like the Montana games and stuff like that. And when Appalachian State beat Michigan back in 2007, it's a fairly rare occurrence that it happens. But Jackson State is a supremely talented school. And the fact that he is out there playing against Guys like Travis Hunter, who's the number one cornerback in the nation, the number one recruit in the nation, a guy mm. who's an, also an exceptional wide receiver, says a lot to me. So I actually really like him for being an underrated guy. I don't think he's ever going to get taken in the first round, even if he balls out and has 10 interceptions a game. I just don't think that's going to happen because of how the NFL views FCS yeah. schools. Yeah. But he's played at the SEC level. We've seen he played at South Carolina. Pretty good. Not great, but pretty good. And that was just his first two years. So now I think if we see a great full season from Shiloh now, you're looking at an underrated guy. And I think he'll probably end up going around like the fourth round or something, but I think whoever gets him will get a steal. How how would you find kind of see um, the NFL kind of viewing? Because obviously, obviously you've got prime there, as you say, you know, I know we've talked about this in the past and we've kind of, I've kind of said that I don't think prime for Jackson State for very long and, you kind of have a slightly different view that you think he'll be there for longer because you think he sees it as a bit of a legacy thing. How do you think the NFL is going to kind of see that? Do you, do you think that Jackson State kind of needs to be that standard bearer for the FCS and for HBCUs before the NFL takes them seriously? Or do you think it's kind of an uphill battle? Yeah, so people forget, like a lot of the NFL greats, like guys like Jerry Sanders and then Steve McNair, these guys came from HBCUs. They were yeah, very... Sure largely recruited schools now back then it was probably due to a little bit of racism from the bigger schools that they weren't going to take as many black players that is by the by at this point anyone's going to any school but I think that Dion being there is incredibly important because it shows that he cares because he could have gone to a lot of different places yeah now I know he got spurned by Florida State or whatever that's his that's his alma mater but HBCUs now being put up there, they're getting on TV again. It means FCS schools are getting more playing time. 
and the HBCUs aren't in the business of doing ridiculous games like the Trey Lance Bowl, where you know North yeah. Dakota played like some random oh, Arkansas fucking State, I think, wasn't it? There you go, some like random team just to pump up one guy on the squad. And with The Rock as well coming in with the XFL, it's a shame that it's not the players who are playing well that is getting them this recognition because they are there are some exceptional players, especially in the HBCUs at the FCS level. But now that there's more eyes on it with guys like Primetime, The Rock, arguably one of the most famous men on earth, if we're going to be real, the amount of movies and sort of things he does. Yeah, Those eyes on it are incredibly important. I think we're going to see a change in the way the NFL views FCS schools, specifically HBCUs over the next few years. And I think Shiloh could be one of the first guys who gets drafted to say, hey, look, this is there's legit talent at these schools. We see a few guys go every year, but it's rarely in the first round. And I think that's going to be very important for him to, if he gets drafted, to be like, hey, look, I need to ball. There is this talent. And then we're going to see all the HBCU guys in the XFL. I think probably there's going to be more HBCU guys in the XFL than there is traditional D1 players Mm. um, from the FBS level. So I I think it's really important. But obviously, it's an uphill battle they're fighting right now. And that's why I've had him underrated. Because I think if he was still playing at South Carolina, we might be talking about him as a top 10 guy. But because he's at a FCS school, a HBCU, he's not being talked about enough. And I just wanted to bring even just a few eyes to it so people could say, wow, this kid is legit. Yeah, it's interesting. Like you said, the, the recruiting at Jackson State is obviously massively picking up because obviously Prime's there and things like that, whether it'll you know have a knock-on effect or a drip-down effect to other schools at that level or anything like that. We'll, we'll see. But he's obviously a huge, huge pull because um, yeah, who wouldn't want to be, especially as a DB, like you say, who wouldn't want to be coached by him. But yeah, one, one to watch for sure. Um, and then just to finish off, um, my underrated guy, um, I didn't know actually whether to put him on today's episode, talking about the cornerback, or whether to kind of leave this for the safeties, because this guy's played both in his career so far. It's Avery Young, the uh, red shirt senior DB from Rutgers. He's six foot one, he's 205, he's played three years at corner, he played last year at safety, and I think this year he's down to play safety again. Uh, he's just a player that I really enjoyed watching. I don't have him rated too high. I think he's like eight or nine on my list that I've watched. Um, but he's like, I think I've got I've got him down here in his notes that he has got like a lot of versatility that is really going to benefit his calls when it comes to being drafted in the NFL. As I said, he's played corner, he's played safety. He's got some return experience as well in special teams. And he's also played inside and outside as a corner. So he can cover literally everywhere <laughs> and also return if you wanted to. Um, so I think the fact that he's got that in his locker, I think just kind of means he's going to get drafted anyway. Do you know what I mean? Because he's got all that versatility to be able to kind of offer an NFL team. He's also a senior, which a lot of teams like as well. And I think that he has got some traits about him that are going to mean that he's got some eyes going when we're looking at him. You know, he's a good tackler, hence why he's been playing safety. He was a good tackler when he was playing corner as well. He's got good coverage skills. I think he's smooth, you know, man coverage. I think I've seen him match up against tight ends when he's playing a little bit of safety last year. He's not got the most production in the world, but he's definitely a solid player. So if you're looking for someone to come in, do a job, you know, fill a role, be happy to come downhill, do the dirty yards, do the dirty work. He's got, like I say, some nice hands, but he doesn't he doesn't get his hands on the ball often enough. And obviously it's Rutgers as well. And so he's not like, he's been the guy on that secondary for ages, you know, so he, he's come in, he's a three-star and he's been the guy. And I think he kind of one of those people that does a lot of like the post-game interviews and stuff like that. So it shows he's, the character yeah, as well. He's very smart. Rutgers is an exceptional school academically. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people don't place enough emphasis on that. Like you are not playing unless you are keeping up a consistent GPA yeah. for a lot of these schools. Now you can make the jokes about underwater basket weaving and all that, that sort of stuff. <laughs> but like, if you're going to a school like Rutgers, you're incredibly smart. And I think for corners, that's something that's very, very underappreciated as a guy's mental capacity. Because Mm -hmm. if you can diagnose plays and think out there quickly, you're going to be a great corner, even if you're not the most athletic. I said it about guys like Elijah Molden. The thing I liked about him and the reason I had him ranked so high was because his mental levels are absolutely ridiculous. He can diagnose plays even before I think the quarterbacks called them sometimes just from seeing the formation they lined up in. So yeah, fantastic. And I think he is definitely, you know, an underrated player that's not getting enough looks. 
Yeah, and it'll probably continue because obviously it's Rutgers again in the Big Ten are not going to do a great deal. But, you know, come draft time, do the draft rounds and things like that, I think he'll be a guy that some people are mentioning. I've got like a third round grade on him at the moment. I think about, right, for where he's going to be, as you've kind of picked up on, he's not the most athletic guy. In the world, he's got some long speed, but he's a little bit clunky. But aside from that, you know, he's not running a straight line. So, you know, he's got a lot of versatility as I mentioned. So, yeah, he's definitely got a case to be drafted on day two, maybe early day three, as kind of guys overtaking later on in the process. But, yeah, it's a player I really enjoyed watching um, this week. So, yeah, Avery Young from Rutgers is my, uh, my underrated guy. One to keep an eye on. Definitely. So, just before we kind of finish off, is there any players who you've watched that didn't make it into the top five and weren't the under or overrated guy that you kind of just want to give a little shout-out to? Not specifically because I feel like once I nailed in on my guys I was sort of watching in on them yeah uh but Chris Abrams Drain from Missouri he's a sophomore another guy who's received a cornerback yeah just fun to watch um kind of lacks the the great physicality that you'd expect yeah but like in terms of like the way he attacks the ball in the air, you can definitely tell he used to be a receiver. But some of the ways he plays the ball, you can definitely tell he was a receiver. Like some of the guy, the balls he's going up for, he's expecting it almost to hit him in the bread basket rather than going up and fighting for it, which, yeah. you know, will definitely be a problem when it gets to the NFL. But it's just through virtue of muscle memory from playing another position. But apart yeah, from sure. that, I think he, he's pretty decent. But another problem is, He's on Missouri, and Missouri, like Vanderbilt, are kind of just, you know, they're the punching bag of the SEC, two schools that don't even belong there. That's a bit mean. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll send them to the AAC. They'll do good there. Um, but, yeah, just just teams that guys aren't going to look at because Missouri are terrible. Yeah. So he they're not getting looked at because their defense is constantly getting carved up that no one's looking at him, but... He's absolutely fantastic for a red shirt sophomore. Mm-hmm. The one guy that, I, that I've mentioned that um, I probably should was my sixth guy who's Nehemiah Pritchett from Auburn. Um, yeah, like like we said a little bit, like you know, long lean, there's decent coverage skills, plenty of a little bit of muscle, um, but just missed out on my top five. Really, just someone I wanted to kind of mention. I think what we've got here, just as like a class overall, I think you said it earlier that we've got a really good class. I think what we've got is a lot of like bigger corners. You know, it's not like the class of a couple of years ago where they were all kind of a little bit small. I'm thinking of like Denzel Ward obviously being a bit undersized and a couple of other guys in that class from a couple of years ago. I think Molden, who you mentioned, was in that class as well. Um, but yeah, no, I think we've got like a really good class of corners on our hands here. I, I think I think the thing to look for, especially when guys are undersized, is just look at everything that isn't affected by their size. Like even down to like tackling kind of doesn't matter whether you're three inches short or the other guy if you can tackle you can tackle mm. like for example Devin White when he was at LSU his first year absolutely terrible tackler he came in as a running back they put him in at linebacker and even though he was this giant jacked 230 pound linebacker he just he was getting shrugged off by like <laughs> five foot nine <laughs> running backs so it, it doesn't always matter there but when you get the guys smaller like we I keep mentioning Elijah Molden, but like it's about the mental ability and then how well can they transition, get upfield, things like that. Now, if you take anything that isn't affected by their size into height and it's all good, then I don't think you can actually mark them down on their height unless it's affecting their game to the point where they are giving up a lot of touchdowns or a lot of yards and a lot of catches. But still, it's something to watch because those things can be worked on by an NFL coach you can have an NFL coach say okay you are smaller we're going to put you inside and here's what you can do so I think Mm. that's just the thing to look for on these players who maybe aren't physically imposing or aren't built like a typical cornerback they're not a six foot three guy but they also have an advantage because sometimes you have these big long lengthy guys like Travis Hunter, Kaya Elam who because they are so big when referees are making penalty calls they are everything's going at full speed. They have to throw the flag when they see it. And that mess of limbs can make it look like something's happening when it's not. Yeah. Yeah, no, completely. I mean, like you say, if almost like the game can provide opportunity for anyone of any size almost because we've had so many like diverse bodies that have come through the NFL. I mean, we had like a 400-pound tackle last year, didn't we? Although he didn't get drafted at that weight, Daniel Falele, but... You know, and then we've had like six foot five running back, sorry, five foot six running back, sorry, and, and things like that that have come through the league. So, 
know, it doesn't really matter to say it's all about attitude and the traits that you put on the film and the, the coaching that you receive when you're there. So something to look out for. But yeah, I think we've got a big, a big cornerback class at the top, which is which is good. It's what, what the league wants these days. So we're going to be getting some I, I, high draft picks. I think, yeah, I think when we do the draft guide, if I'm doing corners again, potentially we're probably going to have maybe nine guys who I think could potentially have a first round grade, but realistically mm. only five of them are going to go. So sure. it, it's it's going to be interesting to watch. And I like the thing I like about the draft cycle, like last year, terrible for quarterbacks, but there was just so much talent on defense. And yeah. Then, you know, it will just keep rotating. Yeah, for sure. No, so that should wrap it up for, for this week's and. Obviously, we talked a little bit about gaming and things like that at the beginning. Caught that if you uh, um, you know want us to kind We're of a variety do show more now. about that sort of thing, then I'm sure we will do throughout the season. Uh, but yeah, we'll leave it there for for now, my friend. Um, just hit us up before you get out of here. What's the kind of next video that you're working on at the moment? So I was I was working on a Drake London video, but then I got super sidetracked and I got a video which I'm going to have to edit down because it's about 30 minutes long currently about just LSU, the state of the team, mm. whatever. It's kind of just something I've been enjoyed working on. But also I got tagged by a couple of the Cincy guys earlier who want me to make a video on th- just the worst preseason takes they've seen so far. Right, so <laughs> you'll either get a super bad preseason take video Wednesday or you have a super pumped up LSU video on Friday. It depends how the <laughs> week falls. No but worries. probably it will just be the LSU video. Yeah, I was going to say, it can't stop you from doing LSU content at any point, I'm sure. But my man, thank you for joining us. It's great to be back uh, doing the scouting pods. I'm sure we'll get you back. Um, obviously, I'm covering the defense. The next one you'll hear of these will be hosted by Raj, and then I'll be back again. Um, we're going to have to move some to get these in before the season. Um, so we'll, we'll probably be dropping some rapid fire for you guys. Um, in the near future so yeah that's been Kieran and my name's Lee and that has been the Fulton Yards College World Podcast the cornerbacks edition for the 2023 draft thanks for listening we'll catch you next time thank you so much for tuning in to the Fulton Yards thank you for tuning in to the Fulton Yards College Football Podcast we have great information and some great content for you guys keep on flying that flag